I think the real value, as you said, is just understanding yourself. Emotional intelligence begins with knowing yourself, and once you know yourself, you're able to be better at dealing with others. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski. And today we have Dr. Dave Usum, my favorite buddy and colleague in the Office of Faculty Development here at Johns Hopkins. Dave Usum is the Associate Dean for Professional Development and the Vice Chairman of Program Development in Neuroradiology. And he wrote the textbook on neuroradiology for all of you neuroradiologists listening out there. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Kim. Looking forward to our conversation. And today we're going to talk about something that's really rare, and I've heard a little bit about it. I don't know much about it, but it's this this thing called conflict. Tell us a little bit about this conflict idea. I have no idea what it means or how to deal with it. Yeah, well, most of us uh, in real life uh, have conflicts every day, and it may be as simple as, what are we having for dinner today? Or it may be something as dramatic as, hey, you know, you're you're copying my... uh, my work and um, publishing it instead of me. So there's a lot of different realms of conflict. And I've been a student of the Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument, and I'd like to talk to you about it. Well, please do. Well, the Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument is something I believe it was developed in 1977 by Thomas and Kilman. And it consists of basically a 30-question two-option answer survey that allows your style in conflict to be sort of graded, if you will, on two domains. One is your level of cooperativeness, and the other is your level of assertiveness. So if you can imagine sort of a chart with assertiveness on one side going from low to high and cooperativeness on the x-axis, if you will, going from low to high. Um, Based on those, the 30 questions, simple survey, Kim, you can separate people into five different conflict styles. The style that is the highest in assertiveness, but the least in cooperativeness, is the competitor, the, the competitor style, being competitive. The style which is the least assertive as well as the least cooperative is the avoidant style. The style which has the highest level of cooperation as well as high assertiveness is the collaboration style. And the style which is low in uh, assertiveness but high in cooperation is the accommodating style. And then there's this fifth style, which is sort of centered in the middle, which has intermediate assertiveness and cooperativeness, and that's called compromising style. So based on this uh, 30-question test, you get scored for how uh, competitive you are, how uh, collaborative you are, how accommodative you are, how avoidant you are, and, um, you know, and how much you compromise. And it's really quite fascinating because it it really, I think, gives a really nice uh, sort of self-assessment on what type of reaction you have to conflict. 
I, re- I remember studying it when you and I did that um, mediation training, and, and I love the, I, the way I think about it are the animals that are associated with each of those styles. So the avoider is the turtle. The, 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 the competition and competitor is the shark. The accommodator is the teddy bear. And I think the, the owl was the collaborator. And I can't remember the animal for the compromise. As you talk, I might remember it, or I'll try to dig around on my emails here to find it. That's actually, that's actually quite good. That's, that's quite good because it does give you a little bit of a vivid graphic for the different styles. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, people quite often ask, well, what, what style should I be? What do I aspire to? And this is sort of, you know, almost like the Myers-Briggs where we say, you know, you, you shouldn't try to be an introvert or extrovert or a thinker or a feeler. It is what you are, but you should be able to move in different settings to different Myers-Briggs style and or to different Thomas Kilman conflict mode styles. So, for example, um, in those issues that are really highly important to you, let's, let's use the term mission-centric or value-centric, you're more likely to fight hard for them and therefore be more assertive. Now, um, you may be cooperating and assertive, in which case you're in the collaborative group, or you may be just you know, very strong and not listening to other people and, and not cooperating, in which case you're in the competitive group. But that, that's, those are the things that are really important to you. Sometimes there are conflicts. Uh, I gave a, and the example of, you know, I, I don't want to have to go out to Chinese food again, you know, tonight with my wife because, you know, we went there three nights ago and she says, no, I, I really have a, a, a yen for Chinese <laughs> Again, for Japanese food, I guess. Again, for Chinese food. Um, So then I might go into my accommodative mode. I mean, it's not really that important to me. I'm really into cooperation with my wife. You know, it's it's an important relationship. So you might choose to be more on the accommodative side. Uh, Quite often in business uh, dealings, um, in the end, a lot of the decision-making gets done by simply compromising. So, you know, you make a bid on a, um, you know, at the, at the shopping, um, bazaar, um, you know, for buying it for a dollar, the, the shopkeeper says, no, you know, this is my best work and I want $3 for it. And you come to a compromise, let's just split the difference and we'll go to $2 and people may be happy with that. So depending upon the different circumstances, how, you know, how important the issue is for you, you may go from one style to the other. I think the value of the Thomas Tillman is that you can see what the other person is, uh, their favorite style is, and you can also assess, you know, your favorite style and, and how to be more effective in that style. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just, I, I was looking at this up online while you were talking. The compromiser is typified by the fox. So the collaborator ah. is the wise old owl. The competitor is like a shark. The accommodator is a teddy bear. The avoider is a turtle. And the compromiser is the fox. And, you know, I, I, what I like about this model is how not only recognizing yourself and the other person, but sometimes recognizing that you can be a different animal, if you will, depending on the situation. And so once you're aware of those and can put some language around that, you might, or we might figure out, well, in this, 
negotiation here and this instrument, this is a battle, not a war. I'm, I'm happy doing the accommodator. You know, I'm going to be the teddy bear here. But boy, you get me over in this territory, I'm the shark. I'm competing. So I think what's interesting about this this mo- this instrument is that, um, again, just like the Myers-Briggs, understanding where your our own preferences are. You know, a lot of us avoid certain kinds of conflict, but as leaders, we really have to step up. And once you recognize your natural tendencies and then becoming able to, more able or better able to identify others conflict management style then learning to flex into different styles and helping others recognize and flex in other styles but yeah it's just good stuff i love it keep going yeah for for example and, and you know i i i'm a little bit wary about bringing politics into this but whether you um, like Donald Trump or not, you know, he has elected, for example, on the issue about intellectual property with, with the ch- Chinese government and, and, and the negotiation there to be very strong about. You know, this is something that clearly is very, you know, is one of our advantages in the world economy. And so Trump will be really harsh on uh, China about not compromising and being in that competitive mode about and making sure that our intellectual property is respected in China. Uh, at the same time, you were he to be uh, talking with England about, you know, such an issue, you may want to change, you know, change that, you know, that conflict style. style. Yeah. So I, 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 that's important. The other, the other thing that I've done with with counseling of junior faculty is that if you are someone who overwhelmingly is an avoider of conflict, um, you, you have to recognize that that might be to your disadvantage if you're placed into a leadership position. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if there are issues in the you know, Office of Faculty Development that need to be addressed with the, you know, the, the full dean, do you want someone who's an avoider of conflict to be the person who's advocating for you? Or would you rather have somebody who's more comfortable in that more competitive or accommodative uh, role. So, again, it it behooves the leader to be able to recognize, all right, you know, my my default is to avoid conflict and not address it. But these are, you know, I'm in my job, and my Mm -hmm. job is to advocate for my people, and therefore I must Mm -hmm. flex into competitive, accommodative, compromising, et cetera. Yeah. So that type of counseling of people in leadership positions is, is sometimes helpful. Now, you you probably know more about this. I'm not, I'm not a student of the Thomas Kilman conflict mode like you are, but you just said something that made me think about the question that you and I are asked a lot when we do our leadership programs about the Myers-Briggs. People will inevitably ask us, well, are there gender differences? Is it that women are more likely to be this or men more likely to be that? You know, is there... I don't know the literature around this. Are women more likely to be avoiders and men are more likely to be, you know, competitive? How does, is there anything around that? Yes, actually, you know, the, the Myers, uh, the um, Thomas and Kilman group initially did the um, analysis in two, in, um, in 1977, and they redid the analysis in 2007 with about 30,000 respondents. And they separated it by uh, gender as well as other other different categories. 
So it turns out that it is true that, as you, as you surmised, that men tend to have the higher competitor ratings um, by about, I think it was about 12% more likely than women. Um, however, women and men fell into the avoidance of conflict group uh, to exactly the same. The only area where women were statistically significantly more likely to be in a group than men was, in the, uh, interestingly, in the compromising group. Mm-hmm. So they had a 7% uh, higher rate of being uh, compromisers than, than men. Mm-hmm. So uh, as, far as, accom- uh, as far as accommodating or avoiding or collaborative, men and women were exactly the same. And I think there is literature around, and Rachel Levine and others would know this, that women, I think um, that they show that we we don't necessarily, there's literature around, we, we will be more shark-like for others. You know, advocating for others, we can be, we can definitely put on the um, baby shark or mama, daddy shark, shark, shark. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going down that. I can't do it. Um, I'm going to start singing the shark song. But we can, be, women can be the competitive sharks when it's for someone else. And the and the challenge is sometimes for some women uh, that when it comes to advocating for their own selves or having a, a potential conflict and trying to negotiate for something for themselves, they may not be as shark-like. So, that's another interesting tidbit that I think I know that's in the, the literature, the gender literature somewhere. Yeah, the other interesting tidbit is the way things shuffle out in different professions. Yeah. So you know, I've done this across a number of different departments, Kim, and you know I will go into different radiology divisions. So my division of neuroradiology, or the division of musculoskeletal radiology, or the breast imaging division. And far and away, you will find that radiologists are avoiders. And I I tend to think that it's part of it is that we don't confront referring physicians about their ordering habits very often. So even when we think that there may not be a true indication for a study or when we're scratching our heads and saying, "Why why did they order this? We don't usually get on the phone and confront our referrers. You know, we're more in a service-oriented uh, profession of medicine. And so, you know, it's like 70 to 80% of voiders in the, in, in wow. the Department of Radiology. Wow. I've gone to uh, orthopedic surgery. Much different. Right. Much different. You have about 50% competitive, uh, yeah. you know, mode uh, more so. Avoiders are like 10%. It's a real difference. I, I also did it with, with psychiatry. A lot more on the cooperativeness mm. and the um, accommodating and collaborating than, uh, you know, than the uh, ones that are not so uh, cooperating. Yeah. So it's, it's been fascinating to me to do the same, you know, the same survey and come out with such grossly different numbers and percentages across different departments. But in some ways, some of the stereotypes, I think, um, do hold true about 
uh, about different um, people going into, for example, surgery versus emergency medicine versus radiology, psychiatry, et cetera. And, sur- and surely it affected by the culture of a, a division or a section, a department, an institution, uh, a nation. You know, when you have that kind of a leadership mentality of creating a culture of cooperation, or if you're in business, some you know, industry where it's got to be, or finance, it's very competitive, or you know, sports agents or talent agents, you know, or Hollywood, you can imagine why it's the culture necessitates a more competitive, perhaps, and a, and a less collaborative stance. Yeah, but I, w- I would say that, you know, as you and I often say in, in the Myers-Briggs, the most successful people are the, are the people who are able to draw all of the different styles and use them appropriately in the different settings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to definitely, we're going to, I'm going to try to schedule a podcast snippet with uh, doctors Rachel Salas and Charlene Gamaldo because they got trained in the Gallup Strengths Inventory. And it's, you know, same kind of concept that recognizing your strengths, if you are strategic or you're um, communicative and, and, and people building that recognizing your weaknesses and other strengths just does nothing but help the team in terms of diversity. So you want people who are diverse in every facet, not only age and sex and race and and ethnicity, but personality styles and conflict resolution styles and and strengths and values because that just rounds out the whole team and then a a clinician, a researcher can, you know, look at who's in the, who's in the next examination room. Oh, it's the patient X family, I definitely need a feeler, a high feeler in here, or someone who's going to be really good at relationship building. So I need to call on Dave Usim. Dave, I need you to get in there. And I certainly don't want a Kim Skrupski in there. So that kind of ability to have that emotional intelligence, you know, we talk about that, that knowing yourself, managing yourself, knowing others and having an awareness of others and building those relationships. I mean, I imagine You've got some good examples of how that EQ, emotional intelligence, figures into this whole conflict resolution and conflict management scheme. Yeah, in fact, if I, if I was critical of the um, Thomas Gilman uh, conflict mode inventory, one, I don't think that they have as good suggestions for how to change or if you're stuck in one mode, how to, how to flex out of it or develop skills, they, they do tell you whether you're, you know, at the 25th or less percentile or 75th or, or higher percentile to give you and give you some suggestions. But I think the real value, as you said, is just understanding yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. emotional intelligence begins with knowing yourself. And once you know yourself, you're able to uh, be better at dealing with others. Yeah. And so I think that's the main value of the of the instrument, yeah. Uh, frankly. Yeah, I love it. And then that awareness allows us to be thoughtful in an, anticipating triggers and events and possible conversations or or confrontations at a faculty meeting coming up or an anticipating a difficult conversation and just kind of um, trying to you know, coach that out and practice for the big game, knowing, well, if this happens, then that, how can I pivot here? How can I pivot there? I know my, if I get, you know, hot, uh, I'm going to want to defer to my under, you know, under stress and pressure, I'm going to defer to 
the you know negative overplayed aspects of my you know Myers Briggs you know in the grip if you will so that just that thoughtfulness is what what I like about it is reminding myself okay Kim you know you're gonna want to go there don't go there you know push there and and call on my tribe you know my people you hey Dave I'm gonna need you to amplify me here if you see me doing that will you you know kind of give me a sign and you know nudge me that way so. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, you and I, with, with the training in the Myers-Briggs, we sometimes will look at people and imagine what they might be in their, in their, their four letters. But it, it helps us, you know, in dealing with Barbara Fivebush, who is our, you know, outstanding uh, associate dean for, for women and, and the head of the uh, Office of Women in Science and Medicine. You know, we know she's an F. So you and I ha- will look at that and we say, all right, well, we have to, you know, meet her halfway sometimes. Right. And I think that's the same thing with the, with the Thomas Kimmel. When you know going into your chairman that he or she is a competitive person and is going to be all, all over you, um, you can prepare your strategy much better than if you haven't, you know, the wording or the, the, uh, the type of typing um, language, the vocabulary of it to, to, to strategize. Great stuff. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay, Dave. This has been great, friends. You've been uh, learning from Dr. Dave Usum, our associate dean for professional development. Till the next time, we'll see you back on the Faculty Factory podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.